Ho, 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 everybody. It's the Christmas special of G.I. Joburg, episode 134. This is a very husky-voiced Stephen, and I'm joined by my uh, fellow sleigh-riding pals. He... Ho, 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 Paul. You're really hot, Paul. Back off the mic, boy. Okay, hold on. You're going to melt just... some snow, bro. Ho, 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 Paul. Uh, red-nosed Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. I hope you're all getting down to your festive prep, and uh, what better way to ring in the, uh, I suppose, the, the Yule Tide than by listening to a bunch of South Africans broadcasting from a sweltering Cape Town in Johannesburg <laughs> in December. I know. I know, I know. It doesn't feel very festive at all, but... Uh, mm. To, uh, to you Northern Hemisphere folk, I hope you're uh, cozy and warm. If you've got a fireplace, light it. If you're putting up decorations, hopefully you've got a, a tasty beverage to hand. And us in your earbuds, because we're going to break it down, G.I. Joburg style. Have some s'mores. Mm. Oh, I miss s'mores. Like like real American s'mores with Graham's crackers. Those, I miss those. Those were amazing. It was delicious. <laughs> that one time we had yeah. them. <laughs> that one time we had them, it was so good. Yeah, Joe Berg tries. Gentlemen. Yeah. Has anyone got any new shit they want to discuss? I mean, I know it's the lead up to Christmas, <laughs> so, you know, we shouldn't really be opening our prezies just yet. But uh, is there anything you're excited about getting? Is there anything perhaps on its way or that you've just recently got and you're burning to talk about? Uh... There's a really cool YouTube video I put up about a recent acquisition, so I feel a bit um, foolish to to mention it twice. But I am very happy to have two Iron Grenadiers. But it's very possible I mentioned this in our last episode, so I can't think of anything. You guys, you guys got anything cool and GI Joe shaped on your way, on its way to you? GI Joe shaped, not so much. Um, I, I was thinking of picking up a, a Jean Luc Picard uh, McFarlane toys figure. It's the closest thing I got to a new toy coming that I know of. <laughs> well, you've got toys coming. Uh, hopefully, the postal service or customs will uh, perform a Christmas miracle. <laughs> I live in hope. There's still time. I know that we've got some fantastic uh, gifts from friends abroad winging its way to us, whether it reaches Ooh. us in time. Hey, you know, I love the South African Postal Service because it just keeps you guessing. There is no dependability. You, you have to expect the unexpected. And when that collection slip arrives in your mailbox, boy, oh boy, are you over the moon. You are walking on sunshine. Every time I walk to the mailbox, can't hold myself down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm. Oh, man. <laughs> no. uh, save it for the show, Steve-O. Shave, shave it for the show. Shave it. <laughs> but uh, I picked up on the cheap a Viper, 86 Viper from uh, South African eBay knockoff on the cheap because it had the wrong arm. <laughs> but there was, a, there was another listing from the same guy who had a Viper arm attached to that figure. <laughs> so did you so buy I, both? I bought both and did the little switcheroo. <laughs> uh, cool. What is the other figure? <laughs> Blocker. <laughs> oh no! Another another BF2K guy finds its way into my collection, well, unwittingly, dude, but 
So I needed someone to ride shotgun on the MCC anyway, and blockers, oh. blockers from that era, and he looks future. Well, he looks no, he looks, he looks like a armored up cab driver, really, like old school with that big hat of his. Yeah, I think he's a great fit for the MCC as a as a co-pilot or something. He definitely looks like the guy that should come with the APC. A little bit more than Steamroller, I'd say. But MCC Paul. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> MCC before. But well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've said it before that I will never buy the BF2K vehicles willingly. <laughs> so the only way, I mean, the only function that those figures then would have is, you know, co-pilots or secondary drivers, uh, gunners, personnel for vehicles of that era and so the mcc is the natural choice so you know mm-hmm. you don't actually play with them they're just they're just fill a seat and look interesting <laughs> fill there one of those recliner seats in the sort of the i suppose the sunbed or no it's more like a, a conservatory <laughs> big glass front of the mcc those boys get a lot of sun i'm sure wow 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 that's why they don't ever ask for vacations because they they're always on vacation that's why Steamroller's midriff is showing, because he's catching a tan in that cab, of course. <laughs> tan cab. <laughs> so I'm thrilled to have a really, like, beat-up played with Viper. His Cobra sigil is perfect, however, but his um, his mirror face is nicely uh, chipped, which is gorgeous. I mean, to see the blue shining underneath... It's fun, and it makes this less of a sacred toy. It's more of a toy that can be played with quite freely, taken down off the shelf and messed with, used as uh, you know, cannon fodder, as it should be. It does mean that I'm after another uh, one of those tasty Viper rifles if this guy's going to make his way on screen at all. I need to give him his standard equipment, because I only got one, and that was also a contribution from a dear friend. Anyway... I have my eyes peeled. In other news, I, it's with great sadness, I will not be available anymore to attend Joe Fest next year. I have work commitments that clash. They are 70% confirmed. I know my bosses wanted to get the show installed in a new theater over that period. Uh, They're really, really pushing for it. There's a chance it might not happen. But the strongest likelihood is that it does. So, uh, Dan, blow a kiss to Sergeant Slaughter for me, guys. <laughs> Maggots. Ironically, <laughs> that's something that uh, the primary terror in the, the show that I'm doing at the moment, Miss Trunchbull, she calls her students maggots all the time. So there is a <laughs> similarity between Roald Dahl's character and... Robert Remus's character. <laughs> Some interesting uh, cr- crossplay there. Oh, guys, what's the agenda tonight? What are we talking about? Uh, there's a Snake Eyes movie coming out soon, and Ray Park okay. is not going to be do in that there. First, what's next? <laughs> Collecting goals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the controversy right out the gate. When I suggested this topic, I said, guys, at this time of year. Everyone's collections, well, unless you're new to the game, everyone's collection is groaning a little bit because, yeah, most of us are fortunate enough to maybe have a few G.I. Joe 
or vintage toy or modern toy stocking fillers at least so it's important that we make a little bit of room for the new guys the new additions to the family so in line with that and in line with what most collectors are probably going through at this stage of the year i suggested we talk about collection downsizing enter mr paul lopesher <laughs> hello friends lovers and family i'm going to talk about collecting goals <laughs> i'm probably yeah, the so worst exactly <laughs> when it comes to the notion of collection downsizing paul would cunningly rephrase it as collecting goals which does not necessarily entail him downsizing a damn thing but anyway my man my man is a man given to excess there is no restraint with Paul Lopesher and that is important i think every collector under the sun needs a friend who's got it a little bit worse than they do <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. amusing to me that paul points out to his significant other that i'm his friend that fulfills that that role <laughs> the shoe's going to be on the, on the other foot when she comes to cape town and sees my sparse collection more yes yeah well dude yeah <laughs> uh I'll make sure I hide most of my stuff at that stage. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be super neat and like easily displayed, like with a, a bit of air around each vehicle, no figures standing one behind each other. Yeah. Yeah, and like a cupboard that's like about to explode with all the stuff you put aside. <laughs> put away. Yeah. Yeah. Story. And our third topic this evening. Well, I'm gonna actually leave that as a surprise. Little festive number. Rob's going to do a table dance for us in a Mrs. Claus outfit. It's going to be amazing. You guys will enjoy the sounds of it. Santa Claus <laughs> is coming on on town. Wait. <laughs> Don't jingle his bells. Ooh. <laughs> Unless you oh. got singles. <laughs> Single bells. <Make> it <laughs> oh. uh, okay. Gentlemen, let's deal with the the announcement, I mean, it's it's been battered around on, on enough forums by now, but let's give a G.I. Joburg response to Ray Park no longer taking up the Snake Eyes mantle. Uh, Crickets well. would be right. Crickets <laughs> would be very right. Sorry, let me not jade anyone. Gentlemen, you have your, your opinions aired first. Well, guys... Um... For me, Ray Park is a really cool dude. I mean, if you guys have ever watched any of those Star Wars celebrations that they do every year, uh, where he comes out every now and then and he interacts with the crowd and he answers questions. I mean, he looks like a really, really cool guy. Looks like a fun kind of person to work with. And, you know, from the Kung Fu side, you know, he's got his he's, he's martial arts are together. He's got his shit together, you know. Um, he moves very well. He's a great stunt actor and he's got some good screen time. But... Would another guy in the suit really make a huge difference? I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, for all we for all we know, they could put the dude who plays um, Andy Circus. They could put an Andy Circus in Snake Eyes' suit, and we'd be none the wiser. And that's that's the thing. It's kind of like <clears throat> if it's not going to be Ray Park, it could literally be anybody who's got some acrobatic or stunt-like skill. That maybe that's a very very like unfair thing of me to say because there's a lot of performance and drama that comes from one's movement especially when you're playing a character that doesn't speak i, I don't know i i like to think that snake eyes in the original gi joe movies was probably one of the few things that was done right uh 
saying that <laughs> love it's... Love those lips. Love those <laughs> lips. But with them um, saying that Snake Eyes is not going to be played by Ray Park, it kind of further fuels the idea that it's going to be the Lady Snake Eyes. Which, I mean, I'm not against. I'm, like, totally cool for whatever. I mean, if it makes G.I. Joe awesome, then yay. But uh, I've got a feeling that's the case. I, I kind of feel like they... That's that's the whole point. Because there's no real reason not to use Ray Park. I can't think of any reason not to use him. So I've got a feeling that sometime we're going to be... It's going to be announced that, like, well, the woman who played Psylocke, I think it's Elodie Young, or somebody will be probably be announced as the new Snake Guys. What say you guys? Is it Olivia Munn or Olivia Wilde? Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn. <clears throat> well, Playing Psylocke. Yeah, who played yes. Psylocke, yeah. Um, well, it, it could be that they're going the kind of the female route, because um, for those who maybe, I don't know, who don't know, um, in the more recent comics, Larry Harmer, um, they, they kind of shifted. I think Snake Eyes died, and then they a new character became Snake Eyes, essentially. Um, a young character named Dawn. Um but they might even have changed by now. I mean, I, somehow they would have reintroduced Snake Eyes. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't kept up to date with post-Marvel G.I. Joe comic books. But yeah. unlike unlike Sneak Peek, I think Snake Eyes is staying dead ah. in Harmer's mm. continuity. <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> but but I, I can actually think of a, I mean, another reason. I mean, why Ray Park can't do this. Um, it could be that it's a prequel. And apparently, yeah, I think Ray Park is in his 40s now. And it would be a bit weird having this 40-year-old man going around kind of acting like a, you know, like a 20-year-old dude, you know, for the um, for the origin story, as it were. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, th- I think definitely in, in the way that Ray Park moved, he kind of portrayed Snake Eyes very interestingly. But I think also, as Paul said, you could literally have anyone actually play the guy in the suit. I mean... If you look at, you know, the superheroes, I mean, obviously, like Spider-Man, I mean, he's, you know, the actor who's doing that is not doing all those maneuvers and whatever else. Um, so you he's just, just doing the jokes. Yeah, he's just <laughs> doing the jokes. He's saying the jokes, and then, you know, the computer throws him around. <laughs> um, but, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I think, especially if you're doing a prequel, I mean, if it is a prequel story or an origin story... Um, having a, a more of a named actor because i mean rare park is a brilliant uh stunt guy and a brilliant martial artist um but i haven't really seen it, his acting chops much i mean you know in the prequels well you know in the phantom menace he didn't really say much and uh in the x-men movies he didn't really say much either it was very low-key and obviously snake eye says nothing so yeah. i i think you can definitely get i mean they can move in the direction of more of like a, a well-known actor to kind of play him yeah so i mean i think we, we've definitely lost something in the way of like martial arts skills and stuff but i mean they need to try something new i think you know mm. I'm, I'm hoping this i'm hoping this will be interesting but apparently the writer of the movie is is, is the dude who wrote the more recent uh, beat in the beast movie and the huntsman winter's war films so my hopes aren't, aren't too high at this awesome. point <laughs> <laughs> jeez. Uh, actually, to be fair, uh, the Huntsman was actually okay. It's just the Huntsman is the first Snow White film. Hey. Yes. 
because yeah, no, that that film was actually okay. Like the writing was okay. The only thing that put that film down, in my opinion, was Kristen Stewart. I think she like shat all over that movie. I think if they got any other girl in that movie, that I literally, I literally <laughs> think a point star could have done a better job in that film than she did. She was horrible. She ruined it. That's hot. <laughs> so, Stephen, what do you what are your thoughts on Ray Park not returning? Uh, boys, you 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 uh. You said everything that I hope to say on on that. I mean, absolutely. It is going to be an origin story. With any luck, they'll be giving the actor in the suit a chance to act outside of the suit. And Mm. to do that, you'll need a fresh face. Hopefully someone with some acting chops. Because if played right, we could be given the Snake Eye story we've never really gotten. I know this is going to be admired in controversy, but like... Snake Eyes wasn't a mute from birth. He has compelling things to say and insightful things to say about who he is in the world, the tragedy that has followed him. I mean, he is a, he's on a sort of almost Shakespearean level of personal tragedy and coincidental tragedy. He has a soap opera life. If you can pay it, its dues if you can do justice with it in the hands of a credible young actor i almost won't miss the excellent stunt work that ray provided and let me just say that you know i I haven't watched rise of cobra in recent memory okay i I avoid it (laughs) completely but i can recall on a documentary perhaps on a a dvd or a blu-ray uh, hearing interviews perhaps with the stunt coordinator or someone on the stunts team saying Ray Park is the best in the business because he understands character and he understands obviously has an innate understanding of how martial arts works and martial arts for screen works mm-hmm. so he is able to, to synthesize all these disciplines and give you the best performance and the most signature performance. Like Snake Eyes would move and perform a stunt and, you know, do combat in a very signature way. And Ray Park created that vocabulary. Brilliant. Of course, it might have just been the kind words of, you know, a stunt coordinator who has nothing but glowing things to say about the work of, you know. <laughs> anyone in Hollywood really like you've always got to take these things with a pinch of salt like any kind of EPK electronic press kit or documentary or interview on set like yeah everyone's big upping each other and slapping each other on the back so could go either way maybe Ray Park ain't all that he just hit the big time by being Darth Maul and Toad and 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 mm. who knows who knows but I am all for having someone who might not be as au fait with the, the in-the-suit stuff. Because as you say, Rob, anyone could wear the suit. Mm. And, and and rather substitute in someone who could play the young man returning home from combat, the tragedy of losing his entire family, the beacon of hope that is his, his war buddy, his combat buddy. And then that thing also imploding and being forced into a life of solitude only to have another lifeline thrown at him 
in the shape of his other war buddy. I mean, Snake Eyes' story, and I've said this before, probably ad nauseum to you guys, so <laughs> forgive me, but for anyone who is jumping on this podcast of late, Snake Eyes' story, if done well, can be the heart and soul of the greater G.I. Joe plotline. They just haven't ever really done that because of the obvious complications in a character that cannot speak. And perhaps in the full medium, we could finally give him the platform to give a compelling mute performance. Because that's where it's got to ultimately lead to, you know, the loss of his faculty of speech. Anyways, oh, what am I saying? I want my schlock horror, chop socky, Vietnam War, 1970s throwback backstory. I'm not going to get it, but period pieces work, guys. And G.I. Joe is a Cold War period piece. It works in that era better than anywhere else. Tomcats and mobile phones the size of a brick. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is weird. I mean, if you think about all of the resurgence of, like, the interest in the 80s and the 90s um, over the last, like, you know, five, ten, whatever many years, I mean, all these very good TV series, all these things that set in that nostalgic era... But they they want to move forward, you know, timeline wise. Or at least they want to kind of push stuff into the current day instead of setting it back then. Um, X Men First Class is still my favorite X Men movie. And check this: if you did classic GI Joe back in the late seventies, early eighties, it's not like it's going to disappear. Like you could have concurrent GI Joe timelines. Mm. Have the classic guys give us the A-R-A-H timeline and then you could do a, a film dealing with like the new generation and then you can finally explore the concept of the old Joe. Snake Eyes being brought back, codgerly old, broken man, but he knows a thing or two about how to take out this new threat, new old threat called Cobra. You know, like that's also fertile ground. You could give Mm. us the classic G.I. Joe in the classic setting, and it's not like the armed forces are going to blink out of existence 20, 30 years down the line. It's a team film. The roster is constantly refreshing. I'm doing a a Harmer G.I. Joe Marvel reread at the moment, and while he kept his core characters, because as Buzz Dixon says, you can bring in new guys... But like in an animated series and also with a cartoon, I mean, with a comic book, like the guys you start out with, those will always be the core group. You know, other other characters will come and go. So sort of projecting that into the future, all your core group can still be integral to the story of G.I. Joe. Mm. They take on more of a, you know, these are like the brains behind the operation. You know, finally, Hawk won't be the only guy in the, (laughs) you know, the, the, the ops room. He'll have Stalker, he'll have Lady J, Scarlet, but there'll be a new generation of like field agents and like, you know, troops who bear the brunt of it. I mean, these things can be done conceivably and believably and compellingly. But I know I'm just pissing in the wind because <laughs> Snake Eye, the Snake Eyes origin story will most likely be a popcorn movie, and that's okay. As long as, you know, I. In my heart of hearts, these are the things that I hope for. But 
if it gets kids watching G.I. Joe and wanting to buy G.I. Joe, it's a victory. I'll take it. I can leave it at that. Mm. Yeah, that's that's kind of always my stance whenever they're going to do something with new with G.I. Joe. It's like, hey, if it keeps the brand alive and it and it evolves, then bonus, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, hopefully we're lucky and we get a good movie. When is this thing supposed to come out? Is it next year or is it 2020? 2020. 2020. Yeah, okay. it fills in the gap, doesn't it, between... Not the gap, well, I mean, it comes before the third G.I. Joe film, I think. Oh. I think. Interesting. If they plan on doing a new one. Right, okay. If, I, if I'm remembering what I read correctly. <laughs> And whilst we're on the topic of uh, cinematic Hasbro properties, uh, anybody excited for the new Bumblebee on this uh, uh, exclusive podcast? <laughs> oh, <no>, we... <laughs> it's a very exclusive podcast. Um, um, I'd say... If there's one thing I see, it's going to be Enter the Spider-Verse. Ooh, yeah, I, I have that. to see that too. Uh, yeah, every I'm... Everyone that I've, I've spoken to has said it is absolutely amazing. The animation is like uh, I think I, there was one comic book guy on Twitter who who commented like, is is this like the best animation ever in an animated movie? And if not, like what other movie is like better than this? So I'm like, wow, okay, this is gonna be incredible. Them them big words. Transformers <laughs> hasn't been panned. I mean, the, yeah. the word on the street is that it's it's good. Yeah. I don't know if I'm listening to the right people though, but. If if I have the time, sure. Yeah. No. What yeah. I, what I've heard as well is that it's kind of like a return to the first one, but with like less like unnecessary jokes and stuff. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, and, and no Shia, Shia LaBeouf. And it's set Le- earlier as well. Once again, there's the you know the the callback to like the 80s or whatever. It's earlier in you know the entire timeline of of, of Transformers. Yeah. So hopefully that bodes yeah, well for the Snake Eyes movie. Yeah. Yeah, because when you see the trailers, it's got a bit of that, like, sort of 80s grade to it, uh, you know, trying to capture those 80s sunsets and, you know, that that whole feel. I'm excited about it, <clears throat> uh, which is weird to say because I haven't been excited for a Transform- uh, Transformers movie in a while. Trans- and I actually bias. like, I, I enjoy the Bayformer movies. I don't think they're good. Please, like, separate yourself from that. I do not think they are good movies. I think they are trashy movies that you can in- that you can enjoy. I just happen to enjoy them, um, especially the first one. I really enjoy the first one. Um, but uh, this trailer has really got me excited, and I love seeing the sort of uh, callbacks or throwbacks to the G1 designs. You know, you've got Soundwave looking like Soundwave. You've got Starscream looking like Starscream. It's amazing. Uh, it's... It took like six movies for them to <laughs> finally realize that, oh, maybe we should like... actually make the vehicles in the movies look like the toys. Yeah, it's like... Like they don't have to transform like the toy, like the original toys do, but it's just cool that they have that aesthetic and they got the correct silhouettes. And there's a whole bit of it that's happening on Cybertron, even if it's like 10 or 15 minutes of the film. I think that's the main reason I'm excited about it. Um, and uh, she's not, you know, hard on the eyes either, to be fair. Um, so I'm you keen just for said that. hard on. <laughs> <laughs> I said hard on. Um, but then, yeah. I also, if you guys are fans of the harry potter universe uh go and check out crimes of grindelwald as well i thought it was very good i really enjoyed it um i know it's been panned by critics but i think it's because they want to do six of these films and i don't think every single one of these movies has to be 
uh, fireworks. And I think this film was a really good transition because I think we're going to get a quite a big climax in the next one. So that's cool. <laughs> I said, hold on, dude. And climax. Letting, I, I fear you are letting your relationship guide your, your taste in cinema at the moment. No, like, dude. I like watching <laughs> something set in the Harry Potter's universe is such a, like a, uh, I don't know. I think it's, it, it's, it's a concession to the fairer sex. It's like, I want to watch Transformers. I want to watch Spider-Man, <laughs> but let's watch this thing with with what's his name, Eddie Redmayne instead. <laughs> no, no, guys, like legit, I like Harry Potter. I'm, I'm a Harry Potter fan. Okay, okay, we no, get it. We no, get no. it. I actually watched all of the originals in cinema, with the exception of the first one. Wow. So, Were you alone yeah, every so time Marnie you saw Granger them? was too small. <laughs> yeah. No, guys, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> no, I just, I've, well, I've always liked it's it. It's just strange to me to hear, you know, grown men saying, I'm a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get my head around that. What, like, I'm not a... this bespectacled kid. <laughs> yeah, oh, idea. Well, I like, what I like about the Fantastic Beast series is that um, the Harry Potter thing was great. I think, well, it came out when when we were in high school. Um, so it was kind of like, it sort of came in when it really wasn't uh, aimed at us as a target market, but I sort of watched it one day. I was bored at the DVD store when I was still at the old waterfront and I was like, damn, I just really like the vibe in these movies. And then I just sort of got stuck into them and then, and I've enjoyed them ever since. I've never read the books to be honest. And I don't think I ever will. Philistine. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? But I like the movies, and I think, you know, if you watch YouTube videos... Oh, God, I'm getting myself deeper in the hole. If you watch YouTube videos on the stuff, you know, they've actually done a lot to give the movies their own thing, uh, which I like. And I like the movie universe for Harry Potter, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm happy for it. But Fantastic Beasts uh, is, is a much better style of storytelling. It's a lot more aimed at, at its audience, who's now grown up. So it's, it's a lot more mature in, a, in, in some ways. I enjoy them. I think they're cool films. I'm not saying the last one, Fantastic Beast, was great. This one is not, I would, to be fair, it's not as good as the first one, but it's still a good movie. So go and check it out. I am, however, going to watch uh, Return to the Spider-Verse. That is totally happening. A significant other can be happy or not about it. I don't really care. <laughs> so, yeah. Because Into the Spider-Verse and Bumblebee is totally happening for me. I can't think of anything else to watch. Aquaman. There ain't no Star Wars movie this year. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, no, they ain't. I actually forgot Star Wars existed. Now you've reminded me. <laughs> it's dead. It's super dead. And have you guys noticed, and I think this will segue nicely into our next topic. Have you guys noticed that, like, at least in South Africa, there aren't that many toys to get excited about in the toy shops? Can't really walk into a toy shop and go, oh wow, it's so full of stuff I want. It's so sad at the moment, which is of course now turning my attention to my online stores and eBay. <laughs> What's the you? Guys? Well, yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, I think every time I walk into a store that you know has a toy aisle, or like specifically, you know, we still have Toys R Us here and another chain called Toy Kingdom, it's essentially the same stuff I've seen over and over again for the last five years. Um, yeah. with no real just variation, less. it's just less of what yeah, what what's maybe new three or four years ago. Um, there's nothing 
I mean, I don't know if that's the fault of uh, the people producing the toys or the the people, uh, you know, importing the toys that they're just not choosing to buy to get in new stuff. But yeah, mm. there, there really isn't anything exciting that I've seen on the shelves. Okay. Like the only thing that gets my like spider senses tingling is when I see the Jurassic Park dinosaurs. Because they're actually really good. They're really well made. They've got fun little features. The features aren't like in the way of the toy. You know, they don't get in the way of the toy's um, design or anything. They're really great. I just, where do I put them? <laughs> oh, Isn't that the question? Segue, that's... <laughs> oh put <God>. everything. <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. New phrasing for the topic. Where do you put it? should i kick this off or do you want to you want to intro this steve well i think i did it already but Mm. basically if you are looking to get new stuff this festive where do you put it (laughs) surely there has to be some kind of culling some kind of downsize there might be yeah. folks out there who've done this before. There might be folks out there who've done it several times. Me, I'm a pussy. <laughs> I can't get rid of a damn thing. So this is a case, a classic case of, I wish I could practice what I preach. Because if I could, this is the shape that my collection would take. I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. But Mm. I think the big obstacle for me is there isn't an immediate market for this stuff. If I was to say, put up a bunch of McFarlane toys, which are still in mint condition and repackaged. Okay, I took them out for display, Mm -hmm. put them back, and that's how they've remained for like a decade. If I wanted to sell them off, I don't know, I'd get cents on the dollar because, or they wouldn't move at all. They'd sit on bid or buy for months. Because there just ain't a big market for that stuff. And uh, what a ball ache. But they do just take up space. And they're not doing me any favors. I don't collect that scale. They are kind of out of date. And that hastens me to ask, would anyone want them? Maybe I should just give them away. But that's just one of my conundrums. I mean, in short, I'm going to give you the list. If I was to do a collection downsize... I'd get rid of all the PTE, Power Team Elite, all the Chap May, the Blue Box stuff, True Heroes, etc. All the generics, maybe even the core. Wow. Because <laughs> no, that, stuff, that <laughs> stuff gathers dust. Guys, there was a time when all of that stuff was very, very useful. You know, it was a case of... Um, like getting something to fulfill a need because I was still playing with my action figures. I needed nondescript military equipment. So Power Team Elite, Chat May, perfect. That stuff. And also you could get stuff that way that you otherwise wouldn't have, like a Chinook, like a Osprey. I mean, I've got some amazing Chat May stuff because I bought it all as it was coming out. This isn't something that I've had to like now troll the internet to try and find in retrospects because oh they made a really cool Merkava battle tank you know the Israeli tank and you know it came out 
for a sort of limited run and now is gone forever, never to be released again. Like, I bought that shit back in the day because I was still buying. I was still very much in the market for anything that could supplement G.I. Joe because we couldn't get G.I. Joe, so you get the next best thing. That's a sick-looking tank. I bet it'll work well with my Joes. Boom, bought it. Similarly, the Osprey, all that stuff, the AB Shock, whatever, 120, 1112, whatever, I never remember the designation. All these classy, classy vehicles. But in terms of a collection downsize, I'm like, I just want the purity of waking up and going to sleep you know, starting my day and finishing my day, looking on nothing but, <laughs> and here's the G. list. G.I. Joe. Yes. <laughs> well, G.I. Joe 83 to 80 to 94 is is pretty much the sweet spot for me. Uh, you know, I've I've dabbled in other toy lines, but that is <laughs> like a drug addict. Always <laughs> where my that's where my compass needle has always faithfully pointed me back to. You know, I I, I did all the flavors. When New Sculpt was new, I collected that shit. When 25th Anniversary was new, I was there back in 2007. We bought that box set, Rob. We divvied it up. Yeah, you got Scarlet new. Duke. I got Snake Eyes and... Wait. you. Got... I got Duke. You got Duke. I don't know. Al got Gung Ho. I remember that. <laughs> I think I just got the Snake Eyes. But, yeah, uh... I, I got Duke and, and uh, Scarlet. And Roadblock. And Roadblock. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah, I think you you were, um, you were focused on the Cobra set, if I true, remember correctly. True. Yeah. So hmm. I I also have a firm love for old school Star Wars. By old school Star Wars, I mean old school designs, new construction. Who am I a hypocrite or what? <laughs> hmm. Can't do the five POA guys. It's got to be the vintage collection, as in hmm. the the vintage collection. You know. Yeah, amen. And to to that end, I'm supplementing my collection with a vintage collection ATST. As a damn fine toy, damn fine. Expect a full review on this podcast after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to that, like I can't get rid of my masterpiece Transformers. The few that I do own are exactly that masterpieces. Love them. Mwah. They are correct representations of those classy toys my g1 reissues as well as a transformers fan well initial transformers fan i don't know how much i follow it anymore but those can stay because they're beautiful they take me back to a simpler time that i never actually lived through because get this the transformers toys that i proudly display are my g2 transformers toys i finally have the entire collection of the turbo masters Rockin', <laughs> whatever that means. I mean, these were European exclusives, so I don't know. I don't think our North American listeners would necessarily have any idea what I'm talking about. Um, and all my childhood toys, like Mighty Max, Micro Machines, they can stay. Uh, but boy, oh boy, I would get rid of my Vinyl Tech Transformers in a heartbeat. They just, all my, they aren't my jam, man. Uh, those are alternators to our North American buddies. I would get rid of my Macross. I've got loads of Veritech fighters. Yeah, you got the hot dust. old stuff. Yeah, you all got the ones released by Toycom or whatever they're called. Yeah. Toy Nami. Toy Nami, there we go. Yeah. 
they're beautifully presented, but boy, that, do they take up a lot of space. And they're the same thing, purely cosmetic differences repeated <laughs> on and on and on and on. I've got a brown one. Oh, I've got a white one. I've got a white one with red stripes. I've got a white one with brown stripes. I've got a blue one. I've got a red one. It's like, how many times did I buy the same toy? I got the blue one. Damn it. Damn it. Yay, I, Max is awesome. We were, we were fools. We were duped. <laughs> we, we essentially paid a premium price for premium toys, but essentially the same toy repeated. I can't believe myself for the stupidity. And I'm haunted by that stupidity every time I look at those damn boxes. They are so big. <laughs> no, they're on the shelf. Oh no, mine are in the garage, but we'll talk about me later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm finishing up. Oh, here's one. Okay, I already mentioned no McFarlane. Get rid of that shit. I will keep just for nostalgia's sake because it was a real sweet spot in our collecting history. The kind of the non-GI Joe scale toys of Toybers. Oh you yes. Know, the the X-Men stuff. The X-Men you know, stuff. Yeah. That stuff. Um, Kenner's Batman stuff mixed in with that are a few Master of the Universe figures those things were just they were great fun we played some very imaginative games using those Rob and I um, so those are kind of also a transportation a, t- a time travel device it is a TARDIS basically <laughs> those toys and I look forward to I don't know playing with them with my nieces and nephews and hell maybe one day my kin because God knows I won't be very upset if they get broken. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who's next? Oh, yeah, and no Gundam. Get rid of that shit. <laughs> oh, oh the final words. It's not my jam. Sorry, no, I just put a stake in the heart of the Paul Lopesher. Nah, dude, I get it, man. Like, Gundam, that's a slippery slope. Okay, so, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Steve. Actually, that's very sensible of you. And I, I got to say, I agree with what you're saying there, because I get where you're coming from with the PTE and all of that. You know, like it was cool at the time, but is it really going to be the long something that's going to survive the long haul in the collection? Hmm. It takes up space, dude. I have yeah. four hammers, and I know like four. there yeah. are people out there that have hundreds of vamps, but four hammers already. It's like. I, I, I don't really need more than one, to be honest. Yeah, the three more than you need. Yeah. I, you know uh, I, I keep them. I keep them because I live in hope that maybe one day I'll be able to get get it right to have a conveyor belt of web series <laughs> and they will find use again, as they did in graduation day. Yeah. If you, if you bother to watch it. Who are you talking to? Our our adoring fans. Of course they've watched Graduation Day. Nary a day goes by, uh, by without a comment on that video. No, I joke, but we do get comments on that video quite often. Um, for me, my collection is also quite vast. Well, I, I've got a little bit of Transformers. I got a little bit of okay, a little bit of Gundam. That's a lie. Um, I got a few Transformers. I got a few X Men stuff like from my childhood. I've got a few, uh, quite a little bit of Lego. And I've got an assortment of anime figures. I'm trying my best to play this down. Um, <laughs> and I've got a whole bunch of other randos, like some McFarlane stuff here and there and whatnot. What I would like to do, and sort of what I have been in the process of doing lately, and, and this is actually, this goes with a rule that I've had for the last three years now. Um, I have the three G's rule. 
uh, for myself. The three G's are video games. Okay, it's meant to be the feed, but it doesn't sound as cool. So <laughs> I just GI Joe and Gundam, in no particular order. And how the three G's works is is that for GI Joe, if the opportunity presents itself and it's a GI Joe figure, um, I'll get it because it'll go into my collection. And if I can, I try to avoid doubles as much as possible. Um, if it's Gundam, yeah. Yeah, give them to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I pass them off to people who need them. <laughs> um, as far as Gundam goes, I have very much uh, narrowed my focus to just the model kits. I do not buy the collectible figures or anything unless there is something that really speaks to me and it really, really, really has to turn around in my mind a lot before I, I click that, that button. Um, my fellow cohorts will know this because we wor- walked into a, uh, a, into at least two shops that had a great collection of Gundam stuff and I didn't buy anything. Um, and God knows there was something in Midtown Comics that I wanted to buy badly. Um, and I'm actually okay with not having bought it. And I let it, you know, mull over in my head. So, you know, that that's a very, like, it's it's a very, like, disciplined sort of approach to my Gundam purchases. I only buy the model kits. And even with the model kits, I only also buy kits that I know I'm either, A, going to build right now, um, or... Be going to build right now, <laughs> like I I have all of the the means to do so. Um, I don't like to buy kits for fodder. I don't just like to buy kits for no reason. Sometimes I used to be quite bad where I used to buy Gundam kits purely because I liked the design. It was like, oh okay, that's a nice design. Uh, I'd love to see what it's like to build it. Then when I'd build it, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'll just put it in the backlog to build later, and you know, to paint and do everything to it later. And the problem is that never happens. That never really comes to fruition. I mean, I'm I'm sort of going through it now where I've now taken all of my Gundam kits uh, and I've packed a whole bunch of them and I've put them in little baggies in storage for myself. I've packed all of the boxes into the one cupboard. Um, everything that I want to build is here. I'm focusing on that. I'm trying not to buy any more Gundam um, because they also take a lot of space because if you don't build them, you've got them sitting in their boxes and their boxes take up a ton of space. I mean, it's a, I think, uh, that size, you always have to find something with that footprint, you know, it's that kind that size footprint and it's kind of deep. So you never know, you could be a big box or a small box, but they usually are that size. And then you get the, the other bastards that are like double that. So then you have to find space for that or build the damn thing. And then once you've built it, where do you put it? And that's my other conundrum. I'm busy working on like prioritizing, you know, shelving space, because that's the whole thing, you know, once you do G.I. Joe and you do something like Gundam, you know, I like to display my G.I. Joes as much as possible. I do have a lot of the of the modern era. I think I have pretty much all of the waves, with the exception of a few entries here and there. And I would say, say 80% of my modern era is displayed. Um, the rest is in a little storage container which is here in my study, in my studio with me, behind me. Um, and that's where a lot of random, you know, old toy pods and stuff go into as well. So they're in there. So, you know, so what's I really... the plan, Paul? What is the so what's plan, the plan? Dude? So the Do overall... you throw away your Gundam boxes, the used ones? So what I do is... Um... Ooh, he doesn't. Okay, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, actually, I do recycle them, just you know, not through the whole big process. Okay, let's let's. Let, what is the plan? The plan is this: uh, much like Steve, I would like to have a full GI Joe collection from '83 to '94 uh, vintage. That is my goal. Um, not vehicles. That isn't my goal. 
I didn't say oh. complete. Oh, I just okay. said well, that's what I want to surround myself with. Actually, guys, let me put it on the record now. I am super happy with my collection. I don't want any more. I'm done. Hey. Cool. I'm not happy with my collection yet. There's a lot of gaps that I would like to fill. And I would really like to fill up from 83 to 94. And this is the thing. I don't care about ex like the Brazilian figures. I don't care about any kind of weird exclusives or any of that. I just want the normal catalog. If you open Mark Bellomo's book and you go to each year and you see all of the figures that are there, or if you go to 3D Joe's, that's pretty much what I would like. I'd just like a full collection of the vintage Joe's. I don't have to have all the vehicles. I've pretty much got all the vehicles. Gold head steel brigade. Yeah, no, I don't care for that. I really don't. I, I don't care for that at all because hey, it's in Bellamo's book. It is, <laughs> but I mean, like anything that's like exclusive or like extremely rare, like you know, that was designed to be kind of collectible, like the steel brigade guys. If I get one steel brigade in my in my collection, awesome. That would be fantastic. I don't see it happening anytime soon, but that would be cool. But like. Um, what's that other one? Like the Euro exclusive spirit. I don't ever see that being in my collection. It's just, it's just too much pain to try and get something like that. And it's a lot of money. But then again, maybe when I have a complete collection, I might even feel inclined to get those, but I don't know. That's not the plan. The plan is just to have that as a full GI Joe set. That is my goal. Like as far as GI Joe collecting goes, as far as Gundam goes, I would like to have a lot of my favorites. Initially, I would actually like to auction some of these off. Um, maybe make like a buck or two out of them. That would be cool um, to perpetuate it um, so that they're not always taking shelf space. Um, the Gundam boxes, what do I do with those? And what do, I, what do I do with toy boxes in general? And this is kind of an important thing. There are a lot of times where we look at the boxes for these toys and we go, wow, they are incredible. We do not want to throw them away. You know, um, eBay has taught us that, you know, you can sell a box for upwards from $40 but is that really the goal? Is that why we're keeping these boxes? No. I've kept my my G.I. Joe boxes because I think those are the only G.I. Joe boxes I'm ever going to encounter in my life, um, at least my vintage ones. The modern era ones, I've flattened out. I've actually flattened them and put them in another box, which I've stored, uh, because some of the artwork is really cool and worth keeping. Uh, I do a similar thing with the Gundam stuff. I kind of flatten the box and keep the art. If I don't really care much for the art, if it's got a, like a shitty box art, I just toss it. I do throw it away. Or I use it for something else. Like sometimes I might use it as the underlay for my airbrushing stand or whatever. Sideshow boxes, Valkyrie boxes that Steven mentioned earlier. Um, I keep that stuff all in the garage because there's no way I can have it in the same house as me without looking like some kind of crazy hoarder, which I feel I fear I might I may already look like. Um, so yeah, the plan is just to kind of just keep my three Gs. Like uh, I suspect one day I will have all of the GI Joes, and Gundam is just a hobby I really enjoy doing. Building plastic Japanese robots is something I, I dig doing. You buy them, you build them, you customize them, you paint them up, you do what you do. Much like a lot of our listeners out there who customize Joes, you guys have the opportunity to do it. Do it. It's great. It makes the the hobby more active. It gives you a purpose for the hobby. You know, sometimes you guys sell them or you give them away. That's cool. That's kind of what I want to do with Gundam. So I kind of see Gundam as being a permanent feature in my life. G.I. Joe is going to be a permanent feature in my life. But buying G.I. Joe, I don't think is. I got a very good feeling that in the, within the next 10 years of my life, I don't think I'm going to be buying any toys for myself, really. You know, because I kind of got all of the I've kind of checked all the boxes I want here. I've got some cool 80s stuff. 
and I've got my Sideshow Joes and I've got what I've got and I'm happy with it. My video gaming, I think, is something I'll spend money on well into when I die. <laughs> because video but, gaming... Hey, just... Paul, did you just say that for the next 10 years you're not going to buy any toys? <laughs> no, I didn't say I'm not going to buy toys. I just said within the next 10 years I'll probably stop buying toys because oh. hopefully by then I would have collect, uh, finished my G.I. Joe collection. And um, You know, I'm... I never used to buy anything but loose modern era Joes and then you had to come and upset the apple cards. I still got the cards from the POC shows that you got me Christmas of 2011 I think it was huh? cool <laughs> yeah thanks buddy but uh but then like G.I. Joe I bought, I bought loose on purpose you know because I didn't yeah. want to have the conundrum do I throw the box do I keep the box uh. I think I think as far as like my t McFarlane collection and all that stuff I think I'm going to get rid of a lot of it um you know, the the thing is, is like, I just don't know who to get rid of it to. That's I'm kind of in the same place as Steven. I'm like, I can't really put a lot of mine online because I've sort of gone like, okay, enough of this. I've tossed it in a box um, and I don't know where the accessories are. And it's not like something I could sell off. So maybe it's something I could like take to a Goodwill shop or something like that, you know, or maybe just speak to a toy friend of mine and be like, hey, listen, I've got a whole bunch of McFarlane stuff. Do you want to take it off my hands? Go for it. There are a few select pieces I'll always keep because I like the artistic side of him. Um, and I like those figures. Like, I don't want to get rid of them. And it's, it's like, like, that's like four. Give, giving them you know? away is kind of trashing their value. Yeah. Like, I, I'd give them away to someone if that person really likes that era mm. of toys, you know, <clears> like, just giving it away to a random Mantis. child, I'd rather give them something more age-appropriate. Like a McFarlane toy is not appropriate for a five- okay. or six-year-old, you know. Yeah, I agree. So and they're not fun to play with, let's be honest. I mean, No, exactly. So it's, it, it's, it's wasted that way. I don't necessarily want money for it. I just don't want it to just be thrown into the bin, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you want it to go to a good home. Oh. Damn it conundrums i feel like i've spoken in circles now and i really want to hear what rob has to say <laughs> i was a lot more focused on what i was doing with my collection until this podcast happened dun 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 <laughs> <laughs> well i think at least as to like people in the states like selling and buying stuff i think it must be a lot easier i mean just seeing the, the turnout at you know at JoeCon, like so many people buying and selling and finding new things and old things and getting rid of stuff that they don't necessarily want anymore. I think it's way easier there. Um, and there's a lot more knowledgeable people there to kind of sell stuff to. Um, mm. Well, here in like South Africa, I mean, the, the market is, isn't that big. Like in the end, the option is like either you hang on to it or you throw it away. Or maybe you give it mm. to someone that doesn't appreciate it as much as you know you do. Um and I think that it kind of leaves you with like a, I don't know, like a paralysis, you know, of, of like, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, I'll just keep it. I'll just keep it. It's fine. Um, but then you keep getting new stuff. Um, and I feel like, like compared to you guys, I'm, I'm in a very, like, <laughs> in a very, like, weird problem, in a, or at least in a very unique situation, because my collection, essentially, it's, it is Steve's collection. Um in 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 that you know not that I own his stuff but like my the majority of my stuff is within his collection and often like especially with like collecting goals like like what do I buy new um 
often my choices usually reside in um um not so much like gi joe specific i mean i think i'm more like paul in that i've a lot more varied interests varied interests i mean i enjoy gundam as well and often it's more like a character based thing or if something looks cool if it's a great sculptor that that's something that i want to get like as i said earlier i think i mentioned wanting to get a jean-luc picard figure um a couple of months ago i also brought bought a, a new spawn figure um which i thought really really looked quite awesome i mean i even own a, a wharf figure i mean it's it's completely the wrong scale mm-hmm. you know for like gi joe's and stuff but i just wanted it because i thought it looked amazing um so like the type of stuff that i have with me or at least you know like physically um separate from steven's collection is is, is quite small i mean it's, it still takes a lot of space um and compared to like Stephen and, and Paul, I don't actually really display my stuff. I mean, I often um, just having something is enough for me, and just knowing that I have it is is actually like satisfying in itself. Um, but I I definitely do understand that like having a lot of stuff is, is very difficult. I mean, a, a ton of my stuff really isn't even in my room. It's it's in a little room in the basement where. And my, the other problem for me, and I think Paul probably as well, I mean, he didn't mention it much, but um, comic collecting. I, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> also a comic book collector. So I have yeah. boxes and boxes and boxes of comic books. And the comic books, I mean, those take up a ton of space. And those are things you don't really display. You can't like go, okay, let me just put out 100 of my comics today onto a wall so I can have a look at them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, like, I've only got three long boxes. And I think one of those, uh, one of those long boxes is full of like, gi joe comics and then the other two is like varied stuff mm. like it's my gen 13 my generation x uh witchblade tomb raider um and then some of the other like miscellaneous a lot things of yeah. boobs, dude a lot of boobs, of boobs. Yeah, man. gi joe and boobs <laughs> i love that era man but like i also got a lot of like, batman and detective comics but like 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 select issues issues that i was like oh yeah. wow i really love the cover i'd just like to own that because of the cover you know because i'd read them because of the boobs <laughs> yeah no, i i often found myself just going through you know like runs of a character like i enjoy a character I, I keep going with it or i enjoy certain creators um so yeah. my collection yeah is is more hidden than it is seen um and not just yeah. you know because it's i'm i'm hiding it <laughs> not not on purpose but like it, it's it's there but i don't see it and also the other thing is compounding Stephen's problem is that my collection is within his collection, and often my my buying my buying habits are probably very different. Um, because because I consider Stephen's collection my collection, I don't often have to have to really buy anything because you you go out and buy it anyway. So like even though I don't own own a Destro um, or a no, or whoever, I, like I've always had access to these toys. I've always felt yeah, like true. satisfied in in that way. I mean, obviously, like when we played, I would I, I don't know I, I'd be very often very slavish towards like playing with only the stuff that I owned a lot of the time. But it was always cool to have all those options. So like that's always was kind of also fueled me like going more into comic books because I'm like ah Stephen has it you know I, I don't actually have to buy that for myself. Um, yeah. So it's very rare that there's something that I've like sought for myself. I'm like, oh, I need to have that thing. I need to go get that. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm in a very weird situation. Um, so it, it's it's kind of like weird to hear Stephen going, I'm downsizing my collection, and I'm like, no, you're getting rid of all that 
There's memories. <laughs> Those McFarlane toys are yours. Like Yes, yes, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Terminator you know, three Arnold Schwarzenegger with the coffin full of weapons. Exactly. You want that, that that's what I'm want. saying, you know, is that a lot of the stuff that I own is with you, you know. Like probably eighty percent or more actually. Um and yes, uh, some of the stuff like the like the Terminator dude, um is is, is not compatible with the rest of everything else. So I think also this kind of left me in a way perhaps a little disconnected as well from like from like the joy of collecting, I think, in a way. <laughs> the joy of... <laughs> well, you know, kind of like having stuff and having it in front of you. I mean, I have a couple of things here, yeah. you know, in my room which I've, I've kind of, I can see and I can look at it. Oh, there's a cool toy. You know, there, there's the 90s G.I. Joe, you know, base. Uh, there's my... Gundam Rouge, uh, one to sixty perfect scale, grade. yeah, perfect grade yeah. figure. You know, there's all the stuff we got in, in America on the bottom shelf over there, and and yeah. another spider laying its eggs inside my <laughs> vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's another thing. That's another thing, like as well, right? Because the bigger your collection is, the more maintenance it requires. Well, it well it, it does, but I mean, like then you you compare like you know like how you handle maintenance, and Stephen does. Like once you start doing maintenance, it's a lot easier to keep it going. I think. Yeah, true, but yeah. I, I honestly think that like one day, you know, if we all just die, and then a bunch of aliens or whatever or future humans or something come and they like you know busy digging up the remains of the previous you know civilization, they're gonna be able to chronicle certain genetic stages in my life because of the sediment of dust <laughs> in my toys you know i mean it's gonna oh. be like Paul so it's it's, it's it's for the future it's for the future that you choose not to keep your collection clean okay yeah, right? i get they're it gonna, i get it for posterity and they're gonna, yeah, there you go right they're gonna splice me with like frog dna and and then i'm gonna run around and then Oh, There's going to be a big storm, and I'm just going to kill everybody in this park called Paul Rassic Park or something. <laughs> Look, but... my mother was a nag, definitely, but in retrospect, I'm now so grateful that she taught me to dust my shelves. <laughs> you know, the thing is, like, <laughs> I've carried that into my adult life. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, my yeah, thing it is makes it's a just, big difference. like ice skating uphill with that kind of thing, you know. And that, but that's the other thing, like with displaying your collection, like, and and coming back. Sorry, Rob, to just derail you mm. there for a second. With my like eighty-three to ninety-four collection, I would like to keep all of them in a display case, not not like a shelf or anything, a display case that is protected from dust, kind of like what I'm doing already. And that display case is going to grow. I mean, we've already started replanning for the new one now, hmm. but that's kind of what I want to do. And 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 to co- kind of keep that going, that kind of idea going, I need to also be very careful with my collection because I want to only have stuff that I can display and that can sit comfortably in a display cabinet. I don't want stuff to be loose. You know, one we all hopefully we'll all be blessed with children. We also don't want our kids to knock the stuff down. And we also don't want our toys to hurt our kids. I mean, we we have some big... I mean, I've got like a Metal Gear Solid figure and I've got statues, you know. Kid could knock it down. It could shatter into pieces. It can cut its feet. Something stupid and ridiculous like that. Or you're having house parties and people fuck your stuff up. I don't want that. I don't want that kind of option to be there. So I do very much want to keep a very sort of controlled collection that I don't have to dust because I'm sure that 
uh, after Stephen's implication, we all know Paul does not like to dust. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I there's some dust. real creative like solutions to like displaying stuff. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of like really cool display options that people come up with, um, like GI Joe collectors and collectors of other items on Instagram. I mean, like the yeah. way that guys display things is really incredible and varied. But um, as to like the collecting goals, I mean, I yeah, essentially, if 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 I like something, it looks cool. I'll buy it. Um, and as for downsizing, I think more than downsizing toys and comic books, it's more like getting rid of stuff that maybe I don't read anymore. I mean, I have a ton of books that either I've never read or or I'm never going to read or I've read and I'm not interested in reading again. So in ways of downsizing, at least my rubble or my stuff in general, yeah. it's pretty important. But I think... Downsizing toys, I did, yeah. I leave that to Stephen to downsize our collection. <laughs> <laughs> well, how does think... this sound, Robbie? I envision one day being able to do this to the, the home collection, just like I've got at the apartment. Mm. Basically, my imperative is every figure that is on display needs to be clearly visible. No one is one behind each other. Every vehicle has to have a bit of air on either side. No two cars are bumper to bumper. Mm. Agreed. Everything's kind of sexily angled to give yeah. it, you know, to show off its best facet. And maybe if my big dream of thinning out the PTE, the Chapmay, all the sort of latter GI Joe stuff like spy troops, I don't know, sound attack shit. <laughs> Make that disappear. Keep it all 83 to 94 or 82 to 94. Let's include the Mobats, of course. <laughs> um, if that can transpire, we will have achieved that. The rub comes in the fact that we have duplicates, and duplicates cloud up the purity of a display. Why do you need two whales? Why do you need two Mumbas? Why do you need two APCs? <laughs> I understand if you're playing, fine. But for a display, something's got to go in the cupboard. I don't have a whale to display. <laughs> fine. You can get Steve's whale. His one's the rubbish one anyway. Cry it from my cold, dead, dead hands. hands, motherfuckers. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I know. I know, but I, I had to I do it. I don't have an risk. intense love for that vehicle, but anyone who has a whale... You're not, you're not parting with it. It's, yeah. It's toy exactly. history. It's so beloved. I mean, if I had childhood memories attached to it, it'd be a different story. But right now, like, the whale is that thing we featured in part three of Atlantis Factor, and I love it for that. But, mm. yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's got a big footprint. What did you say, Paul? I missed you. I'm messing with you, man. I know that you would never get rid of that. And and I do get where you come from with, with duplicates. <laughs> You know. Ironically, it's the first thing I ever got from Dan Shemansky before mm. I even knew who he was. Hey, uh, Dan. Hey, Dan. Merry Dan. Christmas, you... buddy. So I would like to mention something, maybe, and maybe this will help our listeners uh, with their collections, and, and it's definitely something that's been helping me. Um, aside from my, like, 3G rule, which I, I got to say is, is actually working. It's, it's helping me. I, I think collectors... And, or should I say wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, significant others of collectors. I think what we're really asking for nowadays is display space. 
I think collectors are pretty good at keeping track of of what we want of our toys, but I think I think the thing that's difficult for collectors to buy is shelving. And and in fact, Dan on uh, Toy Galaxy said it. You know, uh, it's something we all need, uh, but don't really want to spend money on because we rather spend money on toys. Um, and that is that is the number one gift item you can give a collector. I think right now is 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 a display cabinet or something. To help that them IKEA display. product has such an awkward name. The Detolf. Detolf. Yeah, the Tolf. The Tolf. <laughs> but they, what but is... they like cheap, eh? They're like, they're like fifty dollars or something, yeah, less actually. That is you know? not cheap. I bet a hundred dollars for a Mauler complete with no. working motor. Fifty yes. bucks on shelving. Forget that. But you see, but that's exactly it. Because if you look in, if you look around here in South Africa, and this is just for our American listeners to to sort of grasp the concept, you're looking at good display cabinets from a hundred dollars upwards. So that's why I said the Detolf is quite cheap, because what it offers, uh, it offers a lot, and it's you know it's it, I think it it gets past your your significant other as being classy enough to keep in the lounge, you know. Um, and that in itself is, is not a plank in a bracket any day. No, I'm the same. But then I threw <laughs> it into the wall, bro. That's me. But, but what I what I'd like to get to, and, and just to draw the strings closed and and get it to, get to my point as well, is just to. I think when you have a goal with your collecting, it makes your collection a lot more manageable, uh, especially in times where money is not always the easy thing to get, and that varies from person to person. Secondly. Uh, with an extension on that goal, maybe you have other life goals that you wish to achieve. You know, maybe you wish to see different countries. Maybe you wish to visit all of the great waterfalls on this planet Earth, or something. And those things, you know, they they also need a priority in Put your life. Put food on the and, table. <laughs> keep a yeah, roof yeah. over your head. No, no. I mean, listen. I love how like your your first thought goes to travel. Clearly, this is still something that's pretty huge on on Paul Lopes's mind. But like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but other, I mean, other other yeah. costs the of basics. life are life. <laughs> so but yeah, bills and and living costs and all that stuff that's always going to be there. That's like that's inescapable. I mean, um, and that should always be your priority. You know, if you can't afford to live, you shouldn't be buying toys or games or whatever. Um, if you can afford to live and you're buying toys and games, that's great. But if you're you can't afford to live and you're buying toys or games and it's stopping you from actually living like actually going out there and doing the things that you love doing, then I think you also need to reevaluate your, your collecting. And, and that should also be a motivation to maybe, you know, uh, make, you know, compress your collection and, and, and create a, a serious focus for it. You know, it's, it's, you know, as it is, I have the stigma around, well, not a stigma, but around my friends, I'm known as the GI Joe and or Gundam guy. That's how I'm known. Um, and that's, I think, what about that's gaming? Most, Three Gs. The three Gs. <laughs> the gaming. The gaming thing. Uh, it doesn't always pop up as much. Uh, these days, which is actually okay. Um, because I'm not behind the counter in the game store anymore. But that doesn't mean I don't play games as much. Um, but I mean, you know, so my collection, in a weird way, is kind of an identifier, and I'm okay with that because that's my collection. I'm proud of my collection. I have nothing to hide. If a girl or somebody comes into my life and they give me shit about my collection, I'm like, oh, oh, look. You don't have to be in my life. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, because I don't. I don't There's need the that. door. Don't step on my toys on the way out. <laughs> exactly. 
Sorry, but Better like we're that's here your... before you, and they'll be here when you're gone, bitch. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? But oh, but man. and that's important. I mean, one thing that I found in common with a lot of the guys that we met at GI Joe Con, um, and a lot of the guys that we that we met that listened to our show is, you know, a, a lot of you guys seem to have very healthy relationships and a collection, and your significant others seem to be either very supportive of your collection, a, aka they collect as well, or they appreciate that you collect it, um, have set certain boundaries to not let your collection, you know, override everything. And you guys seem great. But then again, that's only the perception we have, but it seems great. So I'm like, it can be done. You know what I mean? That fella from the Full Force podcast, I think his name's, what's his name? Chris McLeod. Yeah, shit. He landed with his bum in the butter, man. That oh, guy's he got a wife who outcollects him. Damn, she can pull off a cosplay. Yeah, and she made like a pterodrome table. I mean, you know, so like that does exist at a ratio of about one female to like, I don't know, two hundred thousand men. Oh, it's a, a geek Darwinism. <laughs> yep. But uh, but like yeah, just to, I'm just saying like the collection is important. Um, I get that, and we all get that. And but there are other things that are also important. So sometimes let those things help you focus your collection. Well, I'm, I'm glad yeah. we we pulled those strings tight, real slow. Yeah, well, I was there, and then <laughs> even took me off on a tangent. <laughs> well, I, well, at least now we have some idea of like what Stephen Stephen wishes he could do with his collection, and maybe he will do. Because um, I, I think sometimes when something nags it enough at Stephen, he he gets around to doing it, uh, and and you have some idea. One day of... I might want those macros toys. <laughs> no, not those, dude. Not those. And and you know what I do that always consoles me. Whenever I see a figure on HLJ like a Valkyrie, like from Macross, made by Yamato, which is now known as Arcadia, which is the company you should be buying your Valkyries from, not from Harmony Gold or Toynomi or whatever the fuck they're called. Um, I look at those. I go, hmm. 6,000 rand for a Valkyrie? No, sir, not today. But one day when I'm rich, I will find it on eBay, if it's that important. And that <laughs> keeps me going, guys. <laughs> no, not sir, to not today. Paul, you should be on stage, bro. That's <laughs> no, dude, that, that helps. You don't understand how many jams that's gotten me out of. I go, I don't want that 5,000 rand toy. No, not today. <laughs> I will buy it when I'm rich. Poverty. <laughs> the great well, restriction. You know what I want to know now? I want to know, and and this is our surprise, cool, festive-related topic um, that we didn't tell you about at the start, but that we teased that we were going to have. <laughs> who do we think... Who do we think would be a, a, an amazing replacement for Santa Claus, who is a Joe or even a Cobra? So is who's going to bring out the space shelves? Who could do the job better? <laughs> More efficient. Santa Claus has been kidnapped by Cobra Command or by an insidious third faction? I think a third faction. Either way, it's December 24th and somebody's got to get those presents out. And who's the man for that job? Or well, it needs to be somebody who can uh, traverse over land and sea and air. Mm hmm. Someone who is able to get on top of that naughty and nice list because. That's that's a logistical nightmare mm. right there. Because, like, what if you were nice at the beginning of the year and then you were a bit naughty? Like, Santa Claus has got to have a system, man. 
Mm, mm. You need a big sack. <laughs> Ginormous sack. Uh, and the, the ability to heft it. Yeah, like essentially like a black hole mm. of Prezi's. It's the TARDIS, considerably larger on the inside. You need very fast air transport. Hopefully a white beard and some cold weather survival skills. Climbing skills wouldn't hurt either for shimmying down chimneys. <laughs> and also in assistance with shimmying down chimneys, you should be fairly limber. You need a big voice for all that ho-ho-hoing. And, uh, well, the cherry on top, apart from having a pair of rosy cheeks. Uh, magic. Some magical powers, maybe, maybe. Could, couldn't hurt. Magic Is there a Joe or Cobra? Is there a Joe or Cobra who could remotely fulfill the role? Answer the call. Yep. Let's see. I would like to know what Rob thinks. I, I, Rob, who's going to who's going to answer the call and and drop off and do Santa's dirty work? My mind went straight to Destro. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the Naughty booming children voice. are world class buffoon. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he's got plenty of ho ho hoes. I mean, he traded <laughs> Baroness for Zorana and then hitched his wagon back on Baroness. And he runs an international weapons organization. I mean, he has all of those things in place, you know, like like to he's actually. He's got a sleigh. Exactly. Here, kid, an Armalite M4 <laughs> assault weapon. <laughs> Push the red button. I will really blow your socks off. <laughs> no, but I mean, if you were suddenly taken over by, like, the Christmas spirit, as it were, or, if, you know, he had to sign the Santa Claus, um, he has all of that, the, the, those those methods of, like, distribution of, of, of items in place already. He could definitely <laughs> do the job Amazon. of Santa Claus. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if he can deliver weapons across the world, he can do toys for sure. For sure. I mean, so he, he doesn't have the sentiment. shimming down the, the chimney. Yes. Well, he's kind of got a red nose. Kinda. Exactly. You know, Mars Incorporated, uh, uh, Merry uh, American Red Nose, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> Santa. Santa. Although the, the way that you're describing it, I I think you you're probably going to say either out uh, outback or snowdrop, Stephen. Tiger Falls outback with a white beard. Yeah. Well, he'd have to infiltrate good old Saint Nick's workshop because he doesn't have any infrastructure. He's pretty bare bones. Yeah. But I I mean him being the consummate survivalist, I think if he got hungry on his trip, traversing the globe. You just have like a reindeer cookout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Reindeer meat. Blitzen. Oh no, I'm stranded. Eh, no biggie. Survival. <laughs> You'll get your toys eventually. Well, I mean, you and I kind of thought along the same lines, Robbie, because my first thought also drifted to like an organization with infrastructure, but I. Th- First thought of the Cobra organization, armed with one of Destro's finest creations, the Mass Device. Ah, that's Imagine Mass Devicing. Yeah, totally. You could zap your workforce to any part of the world, distribute, 
be zapped back to Cobra HQ, get another load of toys. I mean, it would be hugely reliant on like a lot of organizational skills, but we don't have time. It's December 24th. I then thought, hey, maybe long range and mm-hmm. thunderclap just firing <laughs> toys. Just blooping you know, toys everywhere. <laughs> the guy can bring an artillery round down in the gold mouth of you know a, a fo- football stadium. He should be able to at least get it in the vicinity of someone's yard. But uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. I, I imagine you'd probably completely destroy the toys that way <laughs> and probably the recipients as well <laughs> mommy mommy what happened to my brother it's a red stain on the backyard uh, but there's a cool toy here <laughs> <laughs> he was naughty he got a lump of coal um i then thought like instead of cobra imagine cobra law Ooh. Instead of uh, the spore pods descending and <laughs> horribly mutating everyone, they could be toy pods. <laughs> nice. Filled with G.I. Joes. Oh my and god. That then sound got like me Halloween the, 3. Well, that then got me onto the idea of like transorbital uh, present drops. You know, get the targets <laughs> to get in on the action. <laughs> it's kind of basically like, you know, a meteor shower of like. Santa's little helpers, wonderful. Cobra Claus is coming to town. You know, you know. <laughs> you know. When you first mentioned this topic, the first thing I thought was like Outback, um, Tiger Force Outback, and even just keeping the original. I just thought of his card art. You know, there he is, but this big bag of presents there in front of him instead of his machine gun and whatever. Because I'm struggling to remember the card art right now for some reason. You know, even though I love it as much as I do. Anyway, that's immediately what I thought. I thought, hey, you know what? Outback should be Santa. I mean, he's the guy who's going to get it done no matter what because he's badass. You know, it's, it's Outback. And he kind of looks the part. But I was like, no, we have to stop worrying about aesthetics. You know, this is what ruins so many, like, Hollywood movies or comic book movies is that they try to always get guys that look like the comics but don't act like the comic characters, you know. So then I thought a bit further and I thought – well, you know who would be great? And then my brain just went National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or National Lampoon's Christmas Holiday. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, I don't know where you've been. Uh, you've got to watch it. That movie's awesome. Anyway, I thought, Bazooka, who would be better to play Santa than Bazooka? You know, the Ma- Santa's elves find Bazooka because, you know, Bazooka doesn't really do anything. So he's got all the time in the world. And they find him, and they like tell him, you know, he's some descendant of Santa Claus, and he's he's been tasked with delivering all of these presents. They give him all of the stuff he needs, and in true bazooka fashion, he's gonna do it however he wants. I I just imagine there's gonna be tons of houses with presents stuck in their chimneys. He's gonna like you know launch them with like some kind of bazooka, um, hence the name. Uh, so I just saw him as, as being a perfect Santa, and I actually think if you have one of those modern-era blue bazookas, I think it's time, listeners, that one of you guys customize him up as Santa Claus, because honestly, that's like the best thing you can do with that figure. Just turn him into Bazooka Claus, you know, because he just, I don't know, he just seems right for, for, for Santa. He's just got the right kind of vibe, especially his Sunbow incarnation, you know, he's so... He's just so good. He's just such a dim-witted, good guy. I don't know. That's just who speaks to me the most as Santa. 
I'm not saying Santa's dimwitted. I'm just saying he's a good guy. You know. <laughs> Bazooka's a Bazooka's 90s Christmas movie Santa. That's how I see him. Yeah, he's kind of that adorable klutz in a, mm. or at least his, his cartoon <laughs> presentation. Yeah. All the presents. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd feel safe uh, letting the kids sit on his lap. Yeah, yeah, for I sure. I think I'm toward about Bazooka. He's pretty wholesome. Yeah, uh, he's who wouldn't be wholesome is is Zartan. <laughs> but, Hello, you know, <laughs> he he could probably pull off, you know, basically being a quick study, and 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 subbing in. He could lose himself you know, in the in in the role of Santa Claus. Saint Nick, yeah, exactly, yeah, totally go yeah. method. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he's still a mercenary, and there had better be a gem of considerable size in that sack to answer <laughs> all its questions. Can you guys imagine that though, Zartan as Santa, and it's just in the build-up to Christmas, and kids sitting on his lap and asking him for presents. Can you imagine that, like, some kid sits on his lap and, like, tells him that, like, you know, his stepdad or his uncle or something is doing something bad to him? You know, like, it'd be, like, an interesting, like, episode in G.I. Joe because Zartan would, like, be like, oh, really? I must kill this guy. Because nobody likes it when a child gets hurt, right? So even yeah. though Zartan's, like, a bad guy, he'll still go and, like, hunt down and kill this guy's <laughs> uncle or, what, like, abusive uncle and, like, probably string him up in the lounge and be like... Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Your dead uncle. <laughs> no more kitty fiddling for him. <laughs> no. I went too far. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh Mario Paul dropped it. <laughs> Weird flicks, but okay. <laughs> guys, it's because I watched Gremlins 2 recently, and if any of you guys remember Gremlins 2, uh, and actually Gremlins, the girlfriend of the main character whose name nobody cares about anyway but she's hot but she always has like whenever somebody mentions like a holiday she always has some kind of traumatic memory linked to that holiday like you know abraham lincoln day or whatever geez Zartan got around yeah right so i just like my brain just kind of put that together i'm like yeah you know there's always somebody in christmas who or who's having a not so great christmas everything's great on the outside well, the reason might not even be a real reason. It's just like, oh, he did, he didn't buy me an ice cream. And Zartan's like, he has to die. Yes. <laughs> How can you deny this child an ice cream? <laughs> and mm. I'm just keep going through different voices for Zartan. I can't quite sit on one. <laughs> well, I need to add that reverb effect. Yeah. That tends yeah. to sell it. But yeah, geez, in the same vein as the Cold Slither episode, like... I don't think Zartan's going to enjoy being paid by the hour. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if he's going to work out a Santa Claus. Someone who I think is very suited, at least to cold weather survival and certainly riding around in a reindeer-driven sleigh, Quinn the Eskimo. Ah. Dudes. Yeah. Hey, yeah. If he managed to find the, the North Pole Station, I think I think Quinn could pull it off. You know, he'd have to be uh, put to a watertight contract because he's a stickler for contracts. He will follow a contract to the letter <laughs> of the word. But yeah. if, you, if you get him down to do the gig, I think he'd put it off with aplomb. He's certainly burly enough to haul that sack. <laughs> he might have, a bit, might have a bit of trouble getting down chimneys, but 
get this. He'll certainly eat the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> he'll uh, he'll just take uh, the weasel spirit along with him. Good old Dr. Mm. Venom. Take along for the ride and uh, maybe, I don't know, attach a, attach a fishing hook to his bottom. <laughs> Send him down with like <laughs> on a giant fishing rod down the chimneys <laughs> to uh, install the gifts. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, this is Conway's talking about. Conway will probably still make the mistake of letting Dr. Venom drive the sleigh and then letting him down on the hook. You know, <laughs> you know, he will always. <laughs> oh, but... red eye to Miami, baby. Red eye to Miami. Barbecue could do it. I mean, a firefighter. I mean, you know, break into houses, <laughs> kind of delivering the presents. You know, they're probably good at climbing as well. There is my hose. My foam squirter. Terrible. And on that family friendly note, Merry Christmas, everyone. And if Christmas ain't your thing, happy holidays. And if holidays aren't your thing, Enjoy the discounts. Yeah, good new year. Um, It's been one hell of a year. We might do a recap before uh, 2018 is out. God knows it's been a bumper year for G.I. Joburg. It's been absolutely unforgettable. Uh, So we will hopefully do that before we ring the final bell on 2018. Look out, there might be a bit of content coming out on our YouTube channel around Christmas time. I will try, try and film an unboxing, and that'll be admired in kids. I've got two nieces and two nephews. Like, it's a it's a foursome of, of awesome um, this Christmas day. Like the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so let's see if they don't break all my vintage uh, toys. <laughs> this is another significant podcast because um, uh, I don't know if you shared this before, Stephen, but like I think this is the last one. Uh, the last podcast before you become a married man. Yes, it's true. I will go from Mr. Jabba in episode 134 to Mr. Jabba (laughs) in episode 135. (laughs) Paul has a good line. Maybe you should say it again. Yeah, he's going to go from single carded to uh, two pack. (laughs) To a box set. Yeah. I recorded an interview with my fiance. It just never had the right opportunity to see light of day. Maybe, maybe if uh, you listeners can bear the thoughts of hearing me asking rather trivial questions <laughs> to the woman I plan to spend the rest of my life with, um, maybe I'll put it out there if you if you want to get a little slice of my domestic bliss. You um, could even if... attach it to the end of this episode. Ooh, extra long bumper Christmas special. Do, do, do. Um, and if you need visual aids, oh, my life is public. <laughs> Check out my old Singapore um, toy hunt video on YouTube. The lovely female in that video is the very one and the same. The lovely Kim. Oh. Mm. Soon to be Mrs. Kim Jubber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's taking my surname, bro. Ah. She's, uh, all my women, independent, throw your hands up at me. Whoa. But she's also a doctor, so she'll probably keep her maiden name for her doctor. Her doctorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I hope everyone has a good Christmas. Um, and, and yeah, I'll see both of you on Christmas Eve for the wedding. Yes. I hope that you don't get socks. I hope that you get lots of display cabinets. And if you're really lucky, I hope you get some awesome toys. <laughs> I'm not going to get socks. I'm going to get off my rocks. <laughs> no. oh, Terrible. Shit. Terrible. Oh, guys, don't do a long-distance relationship. <sighs> Mrs. Palmer and her five daughters. That's what's real. <laughs> On that wholesome note, <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Not Stephen's neighbor. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Ho, 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 ho. Go watch Die Hard. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs>